Hi there, and welcome to the special Fan Expo edition of True North Nerds. Uh, Brent here with you, um, and I'm kind of by myself. This episode's going to be a little bit different, uh, as we've got lots of stuff in it um, that was recorded off-site. So uh, we haven't done this before. Uh, If we do this again, it might be a little bit different, but uh, in terms of uh, how I set it up... Um, but yeah, uh, so we got two interviews. We got one with, uh, Kyle from, uh, Kyle Stevens from Kirby Crackle. And we also have an interview with, uh, cartoonist and, uh, now I, I would like to say friend of the show at this point, uh, Jay Fosgett, um, where we talk a little bit about My Little Pony, a little bit about his book, Bodie Troll, uh, and his radio show, um, Dead Duck and Zombie Chick, so... We've got lots of cool stuff in this episode. Uh, there's going to be a snippets from a Legends panel that I hosted, which uh, had some comic book legends in there. And uh, we're going to start things off with uh, this awesome bit of audio from a reading of uh, the Princess Bride script. But this isn't like any reading you've ever heard before because uh, it's all voice actors and good ones. We have uh, David Hayter, who's um, voiceover-wise is probably best known as the voice of Solid Snake in uh, the Metal Gear Solid movies, or video games, rather. And we also have, um, uh, uh, what's his name, Nolan North, who has done so many cartoons, anime, and video games, uh, probably best known at this point as Nathan Drake in the Uncharted series. And we have Maurice LaMarche. Um, Maurice LaMarche is possibly one of my favorite voice actors in cartoons working today. What him or Rob Polson, who he happens to work with a lot. Um, Maurice has done tons of voice, but, uh, you would best know him either as the brain from Pinky and the Brain or, Every non-major character that isn't uh, a main cast member in Futurama or isn't voiced by Billy West. In fact, he is the only voice actor to be voicing on every single episode of Futurama. Put that, like, just think about that for a minute. So anyways, uh, we'll start this off with a bang and go with the uh, fine voiceover folks at Twisted Tunes. No one's moving. All right, I guess we can begin then. Uh, let's see. Coming to the stage first, uh, Solid Snake himself. Yeah. 
our intrepid, rugged explorer, Mr. Nathan Drake himself. <laughs> The Brain, Mr. Maurice LaMarche. Because they do come true. 
it doesn't sound too bad. I I'll try and stay awake. Oh, well, thank you very much. Your vote of confidence is overwhelming. All right. Fifty Shades of Grey. That's the one you're reading me, Lee. Right. <laughs> the Princess Bride by S. Morgenstern, Chapter One. Buttercup was raised in a small farm in the country of Florida. Her favorite pastimes were riding a horse and tormenting the farm boy who worked there. His name was Wesley, but she never called him that. Isn't that a wonderful beginning? Oh, yes. It's wonderful. I love princess stories. Doctor <laughs> gave Buttercup as much pleasure as ordering Wesley around. Farm boy, polish my horse and saddle. I want to see my face shining in my morning. fortune across the sea. It was a very emotional time for Buttercup. Oh dear, I don't believe this. And scene. All right. Uh, Buttercup. 
Jennifer, how about Princess Morbucks? <laughs> Wesley, uh, let's do... David, would you mind doing Bill Coffee? I think that would be... Sure. Very carefully. <laughs> Florian is filled with powers, people, uh, and 
livestock. <laughs> Five years later, the main square of Rowan City was filled with never before. Ooh, yes. Was still as ever before to hear the announcement of the great Prince of the bride to be. My people, a month from now, our country will have its 500th anniversary. On that sundown, I shall marry a lady who is once a commoner like yourselves. But perhaps you will not find her common now. Would you like to meet her? Yes! My people, the princess, Buttercup! Buttercup! consumed her. Although the law of the land gave Huppertink the right to choose his bride, she did not love him. Despite Huppertink's reassurance that she would grow to love him, the only joy she found was in her daily ride. Why, my lady? We're not a poor lost service before the Is there a village nearby? <laughs> There'll be no one there to hear you scream. <laughs> Andre the Giant, played by Christopher Walden. How can she pass us out immediately? Oh. That's amazing. Ooh, come to the ship. This is, this is fabric, right? <laughs> fabric from the uniform of, of an army officer. Who's Gilbert? Wow, who's Gilbert? <laughs> it's a country across the sea, the sworn enemy. Once the horse reaches the castle, right? The fabric will make the princess fight the Gilderanians, or Iranians, or Syrians. I don't know. They've abducted his love. When he finds a body, dead on the Gilded Frontier, suspicions. <laughs> totally confirmed. You never said nothing about killing no one. Ooh, I don't like you. See, didn't I tell you that was awesome? Uh, next up, we have an interview with Kyle Stevens from Kirby Crackle. Uh, Kyle and I have uh, known each other, like, not like as good friends or anything, but um, I've interviewed Kyle, I want to say four times at this point, maybe five. Um, he's a, a terrific uh, musician and songwriter out of Seattle who just happens to do some nerdy music on the side as Kirby Crackle. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with Kirby Crackle, you haven't listened to a single episode of the show. Um, he does uh, the Set Your Phasers to Sexy. That's Kirby Crackle. That's our theme song. And it's pretty awesome. And so is Kirby Crackle. Um, just in case you're new, I suppose. Uh, every episode starts with that theme song. Every episode ends with that theme song. And um, Kyle's an all-around good dude. So uh, listen to this interview. Hopefully you'll get a little bit of an... 
a taste for uh, what else he's feeling with the upcoming music of Kirby Crackle. And after that, uh, we'll come back with something a little different. Good to go? Yeah. All right. So uh, I am here at Fan Expo, and it wouldn't be right for us to be at Fan Expo without talking to the guy whose voice you hear every single week that you download our podcast. We're talking with Kyle Stevens from Kirby Crackle. Every week, and now you got to hear it again. Yes. Well, well, you're not singing this time, though, so it's a little different. Yes. yes. Uh, You were singing last night, though. I was singing last night at Nerd Noise Night 1, um, and I was there with uh, Villainess and the Double Experience, and tonight, Nerd Noise Night 2, and I'm going as a fan to see the Cybertronic Spree and Word Who are awesome. And more or less. Yeah. Have you seen the Cybertronic Spree before on your... The rumor is they'll be making an appearance at the booth at some point, but I don't know. We'll have to see. That's a that's a lot of stuff for the for the the robots to fit yeah, into the room. That's a lot and of stuff. That's a lot of that's a lot of action for them. So, uh, first of all, thank you for working out a deal with us for our theme song. Oh, yeah. We've gotten a lot of compliments on it. Cool. I, I've had a couple people ask me who I, it is that I know awesome. <laughs> that, <laughs> that I was able to get it. Um, secondly, you just released a summer single. I did. Yeah, it's called X Men Pool Party, and it kind of documents my love of. Uh, early 90s X-Men comics and kind of what grounded them to Earth after each uh, or occasional visits to space and saving the universe as one does. You have a barbecue at uh, Gray Malkin Lane uh, and uh, hang out with Psylocke in the pool. So that's what that song's about. And that was it. You're right, because when I was into X-Men, it was those kind of issues and also the baseball issues yeah. that they would do. Like once every couple of years, you would get one. Yeah. And they would be playing baseball. Everybody would have fun. And then something would go drastically yeah. wrong. Yeah, home plate would blow up or something like that. So um, the, model, the model for selling music is obviously changing on an yeah. almost constant basis. Yes. Uh, you've been doing a lot of single stuff and through... Patreon, and but you were also a recording artist before this stuff really started catching yeah. on. Um, how's the learning curve been? Uh, it's been, you know, I've always been, a, excuse me, I've always been interested in the way the internet's changed music. There's, there's been ways that have benefited me, definitely. There's been ways that's made it harder for people in our position. Uh, but as an independent person, it's just kind of a. The technology is there now where you have the ability to go straight to your fans. So that's yep. really worked well for what I do. Um, you know, upload your stuff to Spotify and, and people can go to you. They can write you on your website and they can get to the source if they're a fan. And, and then I can talk to folks like yourself. And so it's, it's really just something that uh, has kept going on for years. And I, I play uh, under my name. Sometimes I play wineries and I play covers and stuff like that. So yep. I kind of dabble in like a lot of different forms of music, but... Kirby Crackle is definitely the thing that's gotten my name out there the most, and it's a lot of fun. I get some great opportunities doing this. Well, you and the band recently did Australia, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, previously they brought me out, and this time uh, they told me I could bring my full live band, so that was cool. And so we played four shows there, uh, and it was just awesome to, to, to have that live band experience for people that I've gone to see every other year since 2010. Yeah. Yeah. How long of a flight is that? Because you're out of Seattle? It's forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a <coughs> excuse me, 16 hours get to fly from Seattle to L.A. Jesus. and then L.A. there. But I had a, a, a good thing happen this time is uh, my parents live in Hawaii, and so they have a pool, and so I just filmed the video of X-Men Pool Party on my way to Australia. Oh, yeah, so okay. There's, there's a video in the bag that's getting edited right now. It'll be coming out the next month uh, sometime. Uh, so that was only eight hours. But then on the way back was 38 hours oh, with everything. So, I, but I lived. <laughs> I, I like I, 
I did uh, two years ago. I did a trip to Rome and back, oh, and yeah. that's only like eight. And I never want to fly that long, that straight, ever again. You have to tell yourself, like, I live on this plane. This is where I live yes. forever. And then when you get off, you're like, oh, all right. So uh, along with one of the things I've noticed that comes with uh, doing anything in sort of the geeky field is doing conventions a lot. Yeah. Um, that means you're gone on weekends a lot. Yes. Is, is uh, like it, and how do you, what's the work life <laughs> balance like because you know you also have stuff to do at home as well and yeah uh, it's just uh I, I have a one and a half year old now so that's new since i was here last so um uh that went by like a blink of an eye so to me yeah. uh you know my wife's very supportive of me doing this and when we got together it's one of those things like you know i think people think like sometimes when you get married or you have a kid that you can't do these things anymore it's like well if it's you you're gonna do them right yeah and so um it's just been something that's worked out. We just make it work, and there's give and take like in anything. But this weekend, it's it's me out here working, and uh, then I'll be at home with the kid next weekend. <laughs> so um, you've got the new single out. Yes. Uh, is this a precursor to an album to come? Yes. I, I, I'm getting the focus of what I want that to be. I think this is like maybe the... It's about to be the longest stretch between official Kirby Crackle records, but it's because I want to do something different on this next one, a different approach, and I, I'm reducing the sauce is getting reduced and warmed, okay. simmered slowly. Uh, I just don't want to ever phone anything in. So until I have a full vision of that, I'm putting out singles to, to let people know I'm still doing this and I'm still here, and uh, hopefully those will appear on the record too if they fit with what I'm trying to do. Not that I am a music mogul of any sort, but I think the plan's good. Uh, <laughs> the, the one I always point to when I talk to my friends who are music industry people or radio industry people is, weirdly, Weird Al Yankovic is the guy who saw this coming, popped onto it quick because he, he releases singles, does yeah. it for a while, gets an album, releases an album out. You, you yeah, know, like, yeah, that's a good and, idea. And I think it's like in how you're doing it, I think it's the way to go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a way to go, and it's definitely different. I mean, we talk, we were just talking about this on the booth with all of us here. Everyone has a different approach, and everyone's trying to, to find the, the quote-unquote right way. But I was talking to more or less about, it's like in a video game, when you have the strong guy, you know, and his strength is yeah. 10, but his agility is 2. Then you have the ninja whose strength is 2, but agility is 10. So it's one of those things where each way of doing videos or singles or albums have pros and cons and so it's just finding what kind of works for you and I think your subset of our fan base like what your hardcore fans want so for me that works a lot with Patreon I get to put out two songs every month for four bucks yep. uh, and I kind of build that as the Kirby Crackle Music Fan Club and I get to try weird stuff it's not always like you know the full on rock deal but it's uh, some hip hop stuff some different things that's so been very fun to experiment with um uh, I had a train of thought and it derailed. Oh, okay. Now I know where it went. I know where it went. Back on the tracks. Um, each Kirby Crackle album has had a little bit of a different musical feel to it. Yeah. You, you've had sort of a solo kind of feel a little bit with yeah. like more acoustic-y stuff. Yes. You had a little bit of 90s kind of R&B flavor with stuff like Booty Doo Math. Yep. What's the what sound do you think you're going with? Can we get a hint for the the next couple songs? Yeah, I think it's like if you. I always tell people if you listen to our albums in opposite order, it sounds like we've forgotten how to rock more each time. But if you listen to them in the right order, I yep. think we've like I've kind of. It's always been like, what have I had access to in the studio? And I've always like loved to rock like on the newest record, but just like time and 
the songs I wrote, you know. So it's like I, I feel like we kind of went, I kind of went to the top of Rock Mountain, and I don't want to come down, but I kind of want to see like what I can do with that with more grooves. So I'm curious, okay. I'm curious about what that is, like stuff like the day my powers arrived, that riff, stuff like that, where it's like pieces that may not sound great separately, but when you put them all together, it creates something special. So okay. I like space. And I think I've done a lot of the da na 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 stuff, like Great Lakes Avengers, and I kind of want to see what happens if I kind of open it up a little bit. So okay. we'll, we'll see what that means. That one, uh, and then sometimes I'm like, I just want to do a kids record, so we'll see. Hey, uh, why I not think do that both? would work. Yeah, you, why not do both? Hey, Bare Naked Ladies did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they uh, did. So you know, not out of the realm of question. <laughs> and that was an interview with Kyle Stevens from Kirby Crackle. Um, if you want, as if you listen to the show, you already know where to find Kyle's music, but if this is your first episode due to uh, finding us at Fan Expo or at some other convention, uh, you can find uh, Kyle and his music at kirbycracklemusic.com. And as I say at the end of every episode, uh, go there, buy everything that they make. Um, you you won't be disappointed. It's well worth the money. So... Uh, Next up is a little bit of a different interview. This interview is with Jay Fosgett. Uh, Jay is out of uh, the Detroit area. He's uh, a comic book artist slash, like, he has a very uh, cartoony sort of style, but he's very good. And I found him by uh, by way of uh, Katie Cook, who wrote My Little Pony for quite a while, and she draws a lot of other things and has her own... Uh, comic called Gronk, and she's got some other projects in the work. One of my favorite people in comics. Uh, I interviewed her, and she suggested that I try Jay's book, Bodhi Troll. So uh, Jen and I got the trade, and we both love it. And as it turns out, uh, a couple conventions later, Jay did a sketch duel, and uh, I was the host for that duel. I think it was one of the first sketch duels he's ever done, and he was a delight as a person. Which was really nice, and uh, we've we've kind of hit it off through social media and stuff. And since then, he's done. I've done a couple other sketch duels with him. He's uh, got a great imagination, and he's uh, a fellow lover of the Muppets. So um, this interview is almost like an interview with like j- just a a buddy, because I haven't known Jay that long, but like it feels like we've been friends a lot longer than. I've known him, so the, this might come off as more of a casual interview, or it might be a little weird because I throw interview-like questions in what feels like a conversation at times, but I think it turned out pretty good. Anyways, uh, this is uh, me and uh, Jay Fosgett. Ooh, you even have a uh, Canadian-esque money wallet. I am a Canada nerd, so... What makes a Canadian nerd from an American's point of view? Well, when I say Canada nerd, I mean I love Canada so much. Yes. I've got the Maple Leaf flag hanging in my, my kitchenette, and, uh, you know, I've got this, and, and well, there's just no end yeah. to, to the comparisons I could make. So. Okay, so listeners, we're talking with Jay Fosgett. Um, Jay is the nicest comic creator in the world Aww. because we have done this interview once already, and due to a technical foul up, it didn't record, so we get to do it a second time. That's and, all good. And he was kind enough to do it. But now I got no more ammo 
because uh, I saw the live reading of the Dead Duck and Zombie Chick. Uh, yes. Are we? Are you calling it a radio show? Or yes, is radio it, play. It's definitely going, yes. going to be called radio play. Absolutely. And uh, from my personal taste, I thought it was really funny. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. I know. I know your work, but I didn't. I didn't know that book. So yeah. it was like I came into it cold, and there was some good laughs there. And for whatever reason, the the pataco. Oh my gosh! Just I was nearly crying. Oh, I don't so know why that idea makes me laugh so hard. That was yeah. I uh, Dead Duck was the comic I broke into the industry with back in two thousand nine. Uh, Ape Entertainment was the original publisher of the first Dead Duck graphic novel. Yeah. And uh, that company isn't really around anymore. And since then. I've, I've connected with Sourcepoint Press out of Michigan, and they were more than happy to publish uh, all this dead duck material I had that had never been published before. So we put out a one-shot last year, and it's it's really had a lot of popularity for us. And Travis McIntyre, the, the uh, editor-in-chief over there, said, would you be happy to do a radio show? I'm like, I would love that, because I'm a big fan of old-time radio and yeah, NPR and... Um, so I got to write all the episodes myself. I played Dead Duck. My friend Kat Inakai played Zombie Chick. We had Allison Court, who was Lunette and Big Comfy Cow. Yeah, I was going to say, for Canadian listeners, that's kind of a big get. Oh, or at least my the gosh. people my kind of age group are a little bit younger. To my benefit, Allison and I have been friends for four years. I met her at the very first fan expo I ever did. And um, we always said we wanted to work together. So when the opportunity presented itself, she became my voice director and our producer on Dead Duck and Zombie Chick. And it's just worked out swimmingly. We're going to keep working on more stuff together. There's going to be more Dead Duck and Zombie Chick radio shows after this. So you've got four recorded and kind of in the can. Oh, totally. And you're just sort of working on where that's going to end up being listenable to. Yeah, fortunately, that part's out of my hands. I leave that to Travis McIntyre, our both publisher and executive producer. Uh, who will figure out, you know, where are we going to be releasing this. But we have talked about, uh, for a fact, we are going to have uh, Dead Duck on a vinyl album. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm so Just... excited because I get to design the artwork for it. Do so. you have an idea already in your head? or I've had it... so many ideas that I haven't chosen just one yet. But when it happens, it's going to be amazing because I'm a big fan of old school vinyl. I'd love to play it up like a 70s rock album. You know, yeah. do something really operatic and, and ridiculous, like a like a meatloaf album. Oh, you know, okay. like that out of hell. You know, Is it, like so you're going to go like Richard Corbin on it. I would didn't love he do the to. First one, I could do. I think he did, and yeah. I could do some really painterly stuff uh, digitally. So, oh, that that'd be really cool. Be a little bit uh, different than what we know you for oh, too. Totally. To a certain no, extent. I'm. I've got high aspirations for it. Believe you me. So, so um. Let's uh, let's talk about My Little Pony, or else my wife will kill me. Absolutely. Uh, I will show you afterwards why she would kill me if I don't bring it up. Uh, um, what's it like working on a pony book in terms of creativity? What that like? There, it's a licensed book, so there's only so far you can obviously go. But I have so much freedom of expression in how I draw the characters, which is both to my credit and to my detriment. Because the hardcore fans were like, well, it should look just like it looks in the TV series. But some of the fans, a select few, love my style for this. Yeah. And they're so supportive of me, and that's why I keep doing it, because they're so kind to me and give me purpose. Um, I met one little girl and her mom uh, at 
uh, Toronto Comic Con for the first time, and she's this wonderful young artist, and she showed me her artwork, and she said I'm her favorite pony artist, and they came back to see me this show, and that meant everything to me. That was just the greatest thing ever. So Yeah, well, when we did interview 1.0... Yeah, um, there was a, a a younger guy who came up with his dad, and his dad got a commission from you. And it, like, I turned off the recorder because one, it's none of my business, and two, it was just like, it was such an awesome little moment because oh, that so kid sweet. so connects with these characters. I, and his dad was so supportive too. His dad was like, he was afraid to tell me that he was a My Little Pony fan, and I said, you know, I'll support anything that makes you happy, and that is the perfect parent to me. Yeah. You know, and I think it's wonderful, and I'm glad to be a part of this uh, fandom uh, as I am. And, and if I can contribute to something that makes him happy, I'd love that. Uh, Bodie Troll. We have to talk about Bodie Troll because that's my personal favorite of your work. Well, Bodie is my all-time favorite. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's where my heart is at. I love Dead Duck and Zombie Chick came first, but Bodie is so personal to me. And so I'd been working on it with Red 5 for about five years. It had come out uh, in a four-issue miniseries. We've done a couple standalones uh, for Free Comic Book Day. Yeah. And then we put out the trade. And everything was great, but uh, we had to part ways for a variety of reasons, but I still love those guys to death. And uh, I can't say just yet but there's a future for Bodie and we're going to be finding out later in the month of September um, and okay. uh, I may like have... you know the future where it's just dotting eyes and exactly and... yes I know the future and we're going to be finding out really fast and I will say in 2018 uh, be looking under bridges for Bodie so <laughs> that's corny but that's no no, no yeah. I, I like that's a is that going to be in the first promo for it it, just, it's going it will to be, be pro- now uh, yeah that's you a know, good tagline actually, for it yeah no that's a fantastic I just pulled that out of my butt so <laughs> so yeah. uh, one of the things that I, I really like about following you on social media is you are an artist addict you have to draw oh it's you, habitual yeah, yes it's ridiculous you draw pretty much and you share it with your fans Oh, I try to, unless it's something that the... You're not allowed to talk about. Yeah, I mean, if it's stuff I'm just doing for fun, I don't care. I'm happy to share it on Instagram and all my social media. But if it's something from Marvel and I'm like, well, I haven't been told I can even work on this yet or whatever the case may be, then I'm chomping at the bit to share it with people. Yeah, it's a... Have you, have you ever accidentally sent somebody something but and went then followed it up with, uh, don't talk about this? Yes. Or, uh, well, okay, so back when I was still with Ape Entertainment, they had the license to do DreamWorks properties. Yep. And I had done all, I, I was working for, it was called DreamWorks Animation Magazine, which they were doing, and I drew all these characters for it. And uh, I posted them online thinking it was okay. And I got these emails from both publishers saying, you kind of got to take them down. DreamWorks didn't give us okay to, like, crap. So that was a hassle. Yeah, well, sometimes it can even be accidental. Uh, I'm not going to mention names. There is a comic book artist who uh, I was chatting with online. I was also apparently chatting with his editor and sent me a cover. Oh, no. (laughs) Like a cover cover image, like, with a comment of, like, how is this? And I'm like... Uh, did you mean to send me this? And he's like, "Oh my!" I, I appreciate your comment. Forget you ever saw this. Oh yeah, <laughs> this never happened. So, uh, so with uh, with the independent work, with the the work for hire work, how's the how's working out the balance? Like bills have to come first, obviously. But when when do you decide? Okay, I'm good, and then I can switch to. 
the the stuff that you own where you kind of you get the money back but you kind of have to pay up front i play it by ear honestly yep. um i didn't find a good balance with it with bodie when it was with red five because bodie was a labor of love but i wasn't making money off of it and my little pony was paying the bills so that's uh, a small part of why there were gaps in the publication of bodie when we started the second miniseries never finished that second miniseries so um so that was kind of a downer but um, I'm, I'm better at it now with, you know, making time for Marvel and My Little Pony and what may be coming with Bodie that I can't say yet. Yeah. Yeah, so far so good. Let's put it that way. But I'm sure I'll have difficulty balancing things out again because I am a terrible micromanager oh. or, or multitasker. Yeah. So, so to, just to finish things off, uh, we can't leave here without talking about, because it was recently announced, you have a Marvel project in the works. I sure do. I'm very excited. It is not Brand Eck. It's not a reboot. It's a continuation. It's issue 14, which they've been sporadically publishing it since the late 60s. So I was asked to write and draw five one-page installments of Four Bushman's adventures with various characters from the Marvel Universe. So all my scripts have been approved. Uh, I'm going to start drawing it as soon as I get home concurrently with something else that I can't talk about. And uh, yeah, you, you get the gist. But totally love it totally i mean it's like a fanboy marvel fanboy dream come true uh you know you can't really talk about it but the the uh are you able to work in ca- other character marvel characters that you've wanted to draw into the, the this comedy storyline <laughs> yes yeah, okay yes i am um i i will tell you off the bat that i am working some brand new characters from marvel into there that i've been eager to draw and haven't had the chance oh, yet. like newer characters yes newer, okay. newer characters but but all because there's like four different one pagers i'm doing a lot of the classic characters too awesome. so it's going to be really really sweet really funny and just a blast for me to do i get to write it draw it and color it so the full pack even and letter it so, oh, so you're doing everything on everything it. on it because I'm known to do my own letters on things. Yeah. So that's I don't know. I just got used to that because I was a because I was too cheap to hire someone to to do these other things, and b I'm a control freak, and uh, and that's the way I do things. So. So um, I, I will let you get back to work. It's the end of the con, but you're still working hard. Oh yeah. Where can our listeners get a hold of you and find all your wares on the interwebs? Find me at jfosgett.com. You can see my work on there, and there's links to all my social media. There we go. All right, thank you. Thank you. And that was my interview with Jay Fosgett. So uh, before we get on to the last segment of the show, just a couple of housekeeping notes. I mentioned earlier in the episode the uh, the Legends panel that I did. Um, it had uh, Brian Stelfreeze and um, uh, Mike Zach on it, and um, amongst others. It turned out really good. And upon further review, uh, I actually had hidden away more audio than I thought I did. So I'm going to release that as a episode unto itself in the upcoming weeks. So uh, it it turned out a lot better, and you can hear some of the questions from the question and answer period. So I'm going to release that onto itself. The other thing is, as you heard in the interview, um, Jay has a new Bodhi Troll book coming out somewhere, or at least that's what he said at the time. Um, what happened was, as I'm the day I'm recording these intros and extras. I was actually able to tell me and then the world where that uh, book is going to be found. So if you like the sounds of it and you liked the interview, 
I highly suggest picking up what is going to be the Bodhi Troll Omnibus. Uh, it's going to be full color. It's a soft cover book. It's coming out in February of 2018. It's going to reprint all the stuff that he's done before, and it's going to have some new material in it as well. So, um, and it's it, it's at a uh, suggested retail price of fourteen ninety nine for like over two hundred pages. That, that like, well, actually, I've just brought it up now two hundred and seventy two. So that's nearly three hundred pages a book. Um, it's come and the big big news as part of it is it's coming uh, from Boom. Uh, Boom has a really good knack with all ages books. Personally, I think this is a great fit. Um, it's coming from their Kaboom imprint, which is, uh, their, their more kid-friendly books. So you have no worries about buying it for children or anything. It's, it's a great book. Pick it up. Support Jay and, uh, look him up on the social medias and follow him, jfosgett.com. So the last segment is, uh, us yapping. It's, uh, Snowhawk Cosplay, Ed Campbell, uh, Ryan, myself, and uh, Kevin, because we all went to the convention. Je- Jen uh, was unable to attend, but it, uh, we have a wrap up. So I, I thought I would stick that on the end because we we talk about it a lot. We talk about everything we liked about the convention. Um, a couple sticking points that uh, if you are planning on running a comic convention, uh, you may want to listen to this segment closely because. Um, we're not experts, never claim to be, but there are definitely some things that um, some conventions can learn from Fan Expo in in a good way, definitely in a good way. And uh, there's a couple things that I think all conventions should take note at uh, maybe looking to fix. So uh, without further ado, uh, this is us yapping for the next half hour, <laughs> and uh, that will be it for this episode. And I hope you enjoyed that segment, whichever I decided to put ahead of this. I haven't quite decided yet <laughs> because I'm recording this before I put together the show. The it's magic a weird, of editing. Yeah, it, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. It was Behind. damn fantastic, Brent. Whatever you did play, <laughs> yeah, it was my you. favorite one. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, wait till you hear what's coming next. Oh, oh can't wait. Tease. You spinning tease. the tunes on nerd, true north nerds. <laughs> so uh, with me now, um, just to discuss the the convention itself, I have. Kevin. Hello, nerds. Maybe we have Ryan. It's me again. And Snowhawk Cosplay. Back for a fourth time. Yep. And you fourth, were... fifth. Oh, yeah. Who, who's counting? That. No one's Watch counting one's except for you. Gavin's counting. I'm not sure. Is he <laughs> counting the amount of times you're on the show, too? If he is, it's a he has to because he's putting it in the geek picks. Yeah, yeah. Well, true. And uh, Ed has a column. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's special true. guest, Ed. It's, and he's been the only special guest. It's a so. bingo card. And maybe we should put, put a congratulations out here because by the time this, this is out, Gavin's married. Yay. Yay. Congratulations, Gavin. And, Are you sure? Uh, well, yeah, so probably <laughs> if if I unless I get it out the week we're recording it. Well, that's what you were saying earlier. Yeah, but even then, it'll be close. <laughs> By time someone listens to this somewhere, yeah. Gavin's married. Hopefully. I thought Ryan was meant. Meant? Are you sure he's going to be married, or will he change his mind? No, I don't see him changing his mind. Oh, should oh. I change your mind? Ah. <laughs> Oh, we no, no, Gavin. they seem very, very happy. She's been very good for him. So uh, I'm not sure if she wants her name mentioned. So I like that. She's to. been good for him. Yes. So um, with uh, Fan Expo, if you look online, there always comes compliments and complaints. Um, cool stuff that was seen, cool stuff that wasn't seen, panels and such. 
So I'll just kind of go around the table and start with everybody's sort of thoughts about the convention itself. Kevin. I had a, I was there just one day, Saturday, which is the busiest day of the convention. I had a great day. Um, and I think part of that I can chalk it up to pacing myself, bringing my own lunch, and avoiding the con floor during the height of the day, the, the dealer's floor. Um, I spent most of my time up in the north uh, panels area, and... Um, it was it was fantastic. I saw some great panels and talked to some great people, and really had a, a fantastic time. So, uh, yeah, I will um, give my thumbs up to the con. Now there were a couple things that I'll talk about that I thought were could be fixed uh, for next year and other years. But uh, on the whole, I had a great day. So, and I was sorry I didn't go back on Sunday. Ryan, well, I went down on Friday, which is my usual day, Friday, because I like to avoid the Saturday crowds. Uh, but for the first time, uh, I decided to do two days. So I went on Sunday as well. Uh, and I enjoyed myself both days. Uh, caught, a couple, well, caught a couple panels on the Sunday, which was nice. Because after going Friday, you know, doing the dealer floor and both buildings and scoping out the deals and then going back Sunday, really with no agenda whatsoever. I just kind of was able to wander around and take some more pictures and see some more things again and again. Um, yeah, no, I had a good time. I enjoyed myself. Good. Uh, well, I did all four days, so... Same here. Trooper. I, th- I thought it was interesting. The crowd seemed really, really, really light on Thursday. I thought the crowd seemed light on Friday and Sunday, but compared to the it, past. But yeah. it was, well, it was like, it was dead on f- Thursday. Like, oh, yeah. really dead. Now, the other thing I did notice, too, and this is... I'm not, it's not a being critical of Fan Expo. It's just something I noticed. The other thing, they spread out Fan Expo a lot more than it had been in years before. Um, they were using um, uh, Steve Buckley, who who does the Canadian Toy Con. He had a vintage arcade there. Oh, okay, that's what and I he wondered was, was He that? was down over, like, on top of the Bassett Theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have never remember Fan Expo fan expo going down that far before i Does do but in, north building in a different building? context where's that uh, north building oh, north okay. building yeah. i remember them using those rooms but back when they had that building yeah as opposed, like but you know but now like to. um even uh cosplay for a cure had the recovery lounge last time it was up on the 700 level or at the top mm. of the escalators now it was tucked around downstairs uh on the north side it was kind of tough to find them at first but it was actually better um, especially for cosplayers, because you're out of the traffic. You're not having people coming in. The whole idea of that room is for cosplayers to rest, relax, repair costumes. You don't want the general public coming in. Oh, can I get a picture with you? Like mm-hmm. this is that's sort of kind our, of like a secret our, our space area. to get away from everyone. Um, so at first it was like, wow, there's nobody here, but then. You know, it worked out really well. It was a nice way to tuck tuck away. Um, but yeah, just the way everything was set up, like um, like the 501st always used to be in the north building. Now that they were down underneath the exit escalators yeah. by the, the one food court. Mm-hmm. Uh, changing around the and multiple re-entry points around the facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot better than just... You can only come in one door. You can only go out one door. I thought that was great. I I think that might be part of the illusion of... I thought the whole weekend was kind of light, like, compared to p- previous years. Mm-hmm. And their numbers may 
prove that. But I also started, because like you said, I started noticing, well, there's multiple entrances and exits everywhere. And I think the flow of traffic, especially between the two buildings, Mm -hmm. was much better than it has been in years, probably due to those multiple entrance and exits. And the the escalators weren't down as much as they were. Yeah, Yeah. and they were really quick to flip them with the crowds this year. Yeah. Like if the crowd, if it needed all four coming down in that one spot and the two going up, that was flipped over within minutes instead of like, well, we don't, like there's four escalators going down and two going up and, and everybody's coming up and not going down. That like there was a lot of turnover in that. And even just one of the small things that I found, because um, I parked down down on the north side. Yeah. So... This is one of the first years where I didn't have a vendor pass. I didn't have a media pass. I didn't have really a connection to a booth or a table. So my vehicle is where I stored my stuff. I had friends store their stuff in my vehicle. I always pick the same parking spot in the north side. If you walk down that little corridor, cut through the Intercontinental, there's sliding doors that go into the convention center. Yeah. And you could get into the building that way. And that's... I think a first I've ever noticed it. It was a couple of years ago too, um, because I, I had uh, I was doing interviews in the hotel, mm-hmm. and that doorway was open. But I don't know if that's always the case. It but was this. The, this was, was spectacular period, because I could go out to my truck, drop stuff off, come down through the Intercontinental, back onto the floor. Yep, and so it made life like really easy. So as far as that way, it was it was great that like. It was great getting in, out of the building, getting around the building. Um, as far as everything else, um, I didn't do any panels this year. I spent very little time on the vendor floor. I uh, didn't even go through Artist Alley once, but I had a lot of fun. Uh, but I was mainly doing the cosplay thing this year. I focused I focused more on that. So, um, I, I really enjoyed the show. I, I tend to enjoy, enjoy the show. I'm primarily there for comic stuff, really. Uh, I did, uh, I think I did a little bit more panels than I usually do. I usually get two or three and I, I ended up doing, uh, three or four this year. You went with, you went to, with me to three panels on yeah, Saturday. Um, and I hosted a bunch and the, uh, by the, by Sunday I was like, why did I sign up for this day? <laughs> But the the panel I ended up doing on Sunday, the uh, the one that we're going to release by itself, hopefully, um, the writers panel with Jim Zub was worth me coming in. Uh, he is just a, a great talker and knows about writing comics. Uh, I I got the I got to do a Legends panel, which w- we will hear snippets of in this episode. I didn't get to record the entire thing, but I got some good snippets of and. With those panels, it's always a little bit of a crapshoot because not the stereotype. You always get a couple. It's guys who are, for the most part, are legitimate legends in the comic industry. But legends also tends to mean older. Mm-hmm. And two of the guys were are rather old, um, uh, Mike Zek and uh, Pat Broderick. And I've never really met either guy before, so you don't know if they're going to be fun or happy because this is on, like, afternoon on Saturday when they'd be making the most money in theory. Or if they're going to be cranky that they had to leave their table or cranky that they're doing the panel. And they were great. All the guys I had on that panel were great. 
Brian Stelfreeze, who I've never met before, he's um, his last big run on a book was uh, the the current Black Panther book, is fantastic. He is one of the nicest guys I've ever met on this panel. And there was a little kid in the panel who loved drawing and want and kind of had a super mom with him, like. Okay, my kid wants to draw. He's going to learn how to draw. What does he need to do to learn how to draw? <laughs> and they were just really good with him. And, you know, I, I on a whole, I think uh, the traffic flow was much better on, on the show. I was mm-hmm. never, even on Saturday when I was on the dealer floor, I never felt really claustrophobic and punching somebody in the face. Yep. They'd it, have that odd aisle where you get the yeah. shuffle step going on, but... Um, yeah. The only time I encountered, there were two places where I encountered sort of bottlenecks. One was I had thought about going back to the South Building after a panel in the North Building, mm-hmm. and there's there's there always seemed to be a bottleneck at that door that goes to the escalators that go up and over. Okay. Uh, uh, so I just said, screw that. I'll it's just go. that's one that's really hard for them. Yeah, to do anything nothing about. they can do. And the other one was. Um, Later uh, Saturday afternoon near the space booth when they had the cast of Star Trek in wow. their booth and everybody was just crowding around and you just couldn't get by. Well, space really didn't have a big booth this year. Well, they had a booth well, and the laser tag. The laser right? tag yeah. took up their the majority of their space. but That's where they were hosting the Star Trek uh, cast was on the laser tag. Uh, yeah, court, but it, so. to me, I always felt that in previous years, the space booth was almost like the hub or the or the center of the dealer floor. Yeah, it's pretty close to that. Like, physically, it's yeah, pretty and close it, to it. And it was sort of, like, right dead center. It was big, opulent, the big video board. Um, but, yeah, this year, just with the laser tag. I think they were trying something new, whether it worked mm-hmm. or not. I yeah, don't know. F- for me, it wasn't as I liked, I liked previous years. So Everything yeah. seemed a little bit lower key this year. Like, well, in some ways and in other ways, like that, the fact that they had that Thor costume that set was, up, that was, that was pretty nice. Yeah, yeah like it, because Marvel hasn't had a booth in at Fan Expo in a number of years now, right. uh, basically since uh, uh, Rune Singh, uh, Rune Singh left. left working for the company. Um, so it was nice to see that who, we're starting to get some of that so stuff. Te- uh, technically, who brought the Thor costumes in? Was it Marvel Disney or was it attached with space or because they were sort of right beside the space booth no they were they were well yeah they were they were in the same aisle i believe it said it was marvel studios as far as i know it was marvel doing it yeah the only branding i saw anywhere was just for the movie for the movie yeah yeah. and like the dc connection was to maddie like mattel yeah yeah so well there was the supergirl photo op at the showcase booth yeah but that's showcase. showcase. showcase they did that last year too I like the one this year. Yeah. I got to do a superhero pose on foam. Foam I, rocks. Rocks. I did it as ego. Oh, cool. So that one must look great. I saw that picture. That yeah, looked great. So it's ego, like, with all the rubble. And I haven't seen everybody, like, all of everybody's pictures yet. I'm just, because I had to go back to work today. So I, I saw it. <laughs> well. I guess they kind of flow into my feed. I look at them, but I haven't yeah. gone as, and looked at everybody's albums people yet. People are listening to this. We're recording, you know, just after Fan Expo. So today, especially when it comes down to the cosplayers, today is like the pictorial diarrhea. Everything is hitting yeah. social media today. Yeah. So it's, it's if if you don't like Fan Expo, you're being overboarded on or uh, 
overwhelmed, overwhelmed with, on yeah. social media with all the pictures. I haven't even finished editing all my Sunday pictures yet. I got a few out last night because I was like, okay, I have an extra 45 minutes. What can I I didn't get out? take a lot of pictures. I, and, uh, like I only took maybe about 40 with my own camera. Yeah, I think that's all uh, for Sunday. Really, I think I only got about 40 pictures on Sunday. I just don't know. It's one of those things I almost like, I remember, you know, I took pictures of what I thought looked cool. I didn't take pictures of every cool cosplayer or every, mm. sometimes I'd say, oh, I saw one that looked really cool, but you no, know, they're over there and I didn't want to go bother them because they're going that way and I'm going this way. And it's like, eh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Most of the pictures I took were, you know, selfies with friends. That's yeah. about it. Um, you know, I wake up this morning and my phone had like 40 or 50 notifications overnight of, I get tagged in this picture, this picture, this picture. Yeah. <laughs> there was a couple of videos that wound up on the internet and I got, I got six notifications off of that one saying, Hey, you're in this videos. Speaking of videos, Ed. Yes. You got to record something for the Cineplex opening thing for Thor with I am Taylor Z, Tyler Z. Tanner Zipchen. Tanner. Uh. So I am really, really, really got my fingers crossed on this one because if, if it goes, and I'm pretty sure it will, it was only about 60 seconds, um, you know, it will end up being on the Cineplex pre-show. And usually they... That, that usually runs for runs, about a month. Yeah, it's either two weeks or a month it runs. And so if it does, that means I'll be on every single Cineplex across Canada for whether half of the month or, or the full month. Now, what it was is it was on the Saturday of Fan Expo, um, myself and, uh, Ash, uh, King of the Freaks cosplay. We were Thor and Loki. We were walking over by the 501st booth and a lady come up to us and said, excuse me, can we interview you real quick? And, uh, I looked down at her media badge and it said Cineplex on it. And as soon as I read that, I'm like swinging at Ash. I'm like, get back here, get back here. <laughs> yes. Yes. So anyways, anyways, at the yeah. Thing. <laughs> I'm like, no, get here. You need to come with me now. So, yeah, uh, brother, they, they brought us over and they said, here's Tanner and uh, he's going to ask you a couple questions. So when we're standing there, uh, Tanner says, okay, so Thor Ragnarok is hitting theaters this fall and we're going to see an epic fight between Hulk and Thor. Who do you think is going to win the fight? So I'm kind of caught off guard. I didn't know what to say. So I'm about to say something and the guy says, no, 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 too much feedback. We got to move because we were over by the jab of the hut. Mm. So it's kind of tough to record. So we moved into the dealer floor. So now I'm prepared. I know what question they're going to ask. So Tanner asks again, who's going to win in a fight between Thor and Hulk? And I figured, well, I can say, I can answer as myself, or I can just pretend to be Thor. So remembering the, the latest trailer, I just looked at him and I said, no, it's clearly going to be me. And he says, you sure? It's like, no, yes, it will be glorious. <laughs> so then he goes and asks Ash as Loki, who do you think is going to win? And, Lo- and Loki's like, no, I think it's going to be the Hulk. And then Tanner says, no, I'm pretty sure the Hulk is going to beat Thor. They both turn and look at me, and I pause for a second. I had Mjolnir in my hand, and I threw it on the ground, so you hear a crash. And I spin, and I turn, and I take a step towards Tanner. And he kind of had this look of fear in his eye, which if you check out my Facebook page, uh, there's a picture of it. Cineplex sent it to me. 
I'm a lot bigger than Tanner. <laughs> so when I turned <laughs> and looked fair, at him. He's never met you before. For all he knows, you do think you're Thor. Yeah. And he has now just insulted like, the crazy guy that's twice as like, So What did I just get into? He sort of turns and runs real quick. And anyways, we, the yell cut and I stop and I start laughing and I told him, I said, that was spectacular. Like I, I just loved it because I, and I hope they use it. I hope they use the if whole they're thing. they're smart, that's a good ending to that segment. Because I assume they talk to other people beyond you guys, I, right? Yeah, I don't know. I know. He was, he was there all weekend because I saw him, I guess those media people all sort of know each other much like, well, much like all the podcasters know each other. Because I, I kind of went by him and, um, uh, what's his name, AJ from Space were yep. having a conversation like Thursday before the show even opened. Well, when we walked out of the dealer room because I was dealing with the producers and giving uh, rights releases and all that kind of stuff. As soon as we come out, he was talking to a, uh, a cosplayer dressed as Palpatine. And I could overhear him asking uh, Last Jedi questions. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they they probably all stocked up for the next. Exactly. Well, you're going to think Thor, Justice League, Star Wars. Yeah. They could film all kinds of clips for all three of those ones in one So I'm, yeah, we're going to go and see every movie at Cineplex. I don't (laughs) care what it is. (laughs) Ed will be looking at I'm trying to look at it. What the hell is coming out in September? In October, that we can go see a lot of times. This would <laughs> My been Little a- Pony. Oh God damn you! <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but that's no, awesome. Like, it, it is. It's it, really it, cool. It crosses something off of my my list. Uh, you know, I don't have the same amount of followers as other cosplayers, but I do have certain goals, and I have been able to cross quite a few things off off my wish list of. Things to achieve in cosplay. So. so if you see Snowhawk cosplay on your big screen, feel free to tag him on Instagram and on the uh, on the Twitter machine uh, to let people know that's him. Because it, it, hopefully they put your your Twitter tag up there or something. I don't know if they would. They didn't ask. Those go really quick. So yeah, I don't they know didn't ask for bother. that information. So, but anyways, yeah. If you see Thor and Loki, uh, tag tag me at Snowhawk Cosplay or at King of the Freaks. So, yeah, we're glad to see if actually someone saw it. So did anybody have any bad moments in the show? Yeah, I know I know Kevin's, and actually I think Kevin's should be addressed. Yeah, so I, um, I went to the Star Trek Discovery panel, and um, so actually I, right before that was the Nathan Fillion panel, and I went in and, like, and thought, you know, they're going to exit everybody down the far end of the, of the room, and if I want a good seat for, for the Discovery panel... I should skip the Fillion panel. So I um, left the I left the start the the room one oh six, which was the, one of their big rooms, and uh, just uh, sat down and ate my lunch. Uh, there was a little seating area there. Uh, there was a, a, a there were a couple of people there that I got chatting with. Uh, a woman in a mobility scooter and a man in a wheelchair. Yep. And we got chatting a bit, and he said, uh, "Yeah, I've, we've been talking to the." Uh, to the staff here, they've assured us because at this point we we had also been told that the first seventy five people to enter the panel were going to get autographs and meet and greets with the Star Trek cast, and so they got there super early for that. Yeah, and uh, it was great. And then eventually somebody came along and said, "This is a um, this is an accessibility only area. Uh, if you're not here with somebody who's uh, 
mobility challenge. You can't sit here, so I had to get up and move, but which was fine because they they had started the lineup for the yeah. panel at this point. So I'm in line, maybe about 30, 40 people from the front of the line, and they were waiting uh, with some other people with mobility issues. So they got enter- uh, the VIPs went in first, which is cool. They paid several hundred dollars for those tickets. That's cool, whatever. Uh, I knew I was going to get a good seat right behind them in the center. And I walked in. Uh, they, so right after the VIPs went in, the mobility issue people went in. And and then the rest of us, General Pop, went in. And um, so I went in and was about two rows behind the VIP seating right in the center oh, where nice. I saw the, um, the, the people that I was chatting with while I was in my lunch before. And I asked if I could sit with them. At that point, there, there was just one guy in his seat at the end of the aisle yep. and then the guy in the wheelchair beside. We were in the center aisle. The panel was about five, ten minutes from starting when a Fan Expo staff member came up and said, I'm going to have to move you. I'm really sorry. And he's like, What? Yeah, this is the, the we're going to be setting up the Q and A mic right here uh, in this aisle, so we can't have you he, we can't have you sitting here. He's like, well, why didn't anybody tell me that when I came into the panel? Yeah, why wasn't there anybody there keeping that aisle clear from the beginning and getting these people with mobility issues who had been waiting for two hours to get into this panel a seat that they deserved? Yeah, it, it, it just. He got so angry, he left. After waiting two hours to get into that panel, he he was so pissed off that he, and he left. You know what? Um, and I, I don't want this to sound like I'm shitting on Fan Expo, because it, it, that is, I think, one of the problems all these conventions have to start dealing with. Because mm-hmm. uh, I have uh, a guy I went to elementary school with uh, is missing a leg. He, uh, he got flesh-eating disease when... Like through a surgery thing, mm-hmm. and he's now from I think it's from his knee down. He's missing one of his legs, mm-hmm. so he went to he lives in the Niagara region, and he was going to Niagara Comic Con, or he was thinking about it, and he wanted to do like the autograph signings and stuff like that. Problem is, is he can't he can use a, a prosthetic for the most part, right? He can't use it for huge amounts of time. Right. Like he can't he, you can't do a con two hours. Because it will, it'll just chafe, cut, bleed yeah. the, the whole nine yards. So he wanted info before he bought the, however much the Niagara Comic Con ticket was, um, whether there was wheelchair access in various parts of the building, especially around the the area, and and not that like he didn't even want front of the line access. But he wanted to know what the deal was with mm-hmm. it. Like, do I get in this line? Do I need to get into another line? Do I need a special passing? Like, look, his wheelchair's legit. That's why he's at the front of the line. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. And um, they basically ignored him. Like, he he was emailing them. He didn't get responses back for quite uh. a while. And he res- he resorted to basically going on Twitter and saying, like, Look, I want to go to this. None of you people will get back to me. And through Twitter, magically, he started, like, other people were like, I'd kind of like to know about this, too. And mm-hmm. he started getting, a, he finally got a response back. Yeah. But like, it's, there's a lot of people out there with various issues. Like we well, started Also, the with- legislation involved in all this isn't that new. Yeah. Uh, I'm involved with... Well, you guys know I'm the organization I'm involved with that we put on an event, an annual event. Mm-hmm. And five years ago, we had to go through accessibility training. 
even for a small volunteer-run organization with 18 members of our director, 18 yeah. board of directors, we still had to do it because for our facilities, mobility, accessibility is an issue. And yeah. it's even more than mm-hmm. that. It's, it's, it's not just how to get in with mobility devices. It's also with um, the special aids for people who need them. Yeah. Well, a couple of things struck me here. One is if, if this is a waiting area for people with accessibility issues, label it. Like I sat, there were just some leather couches in a corner. Yes, there were a couple of people in wheelchairs waiting there, but there was nothing that that, marked this as an accessibility only issue. It wasn't until somebody in a fan expo t-shirt came along and said, you can't be here if you're not with somebody who needs this space. Because quite frankly, there's going to be dicks who are going to sit on that couch and say, well, there's nothing here. Well, Uh, why can't I sit here? I had enough time to sit there and eat my lunch before somebody came and kicked me out. And two, you, if you're going, if they had set this up with a staff member that they were going to be let in early because they got there super early, why wasn't there somebody there to, I to direct that, traffic? Yeah, and I and know, I know it's an issue with number of volunteers and getting no, the word but, out to the right people, but but they had two hours notice for this. Yeah, no, but to me, that's a, the easy solution to that, and maybe I just see it too simply is what happened in that situation, I can almost guarantee it, is the right hand didn't know what the left hand exactly. was doing. But what they need is just station one guy. Somebody with a walkie-talkie. Each of, like one or two guys in each of those rooms who knows exactly what is where in every of those They things. were only letting people... Especially pe- the big theaters yeah. and the bigger signing. They were only letting people in one door. There was one door to go in. The yeah. line was going in. So you, they just needed people there. And the wheelchair and the uh, accessibility people were going in before the general public. So they just needed somebody there to say, okay, if you need mobility access... Follow me. These, yeah. these are your seats. Like make a captain of a room. Uh-huh. You know, somebody who's reliable or maybe that's... I know a lot of these conventions There were are, at least three people in wheelchairs who had set themselves up as close to the aisle as possible, as close to the edge of the seating as yeah. possible in the center aisle that were told they had to move. And at least one, maybe two of them left in a huff and were upset. Yeah, which I can completely understand. And like I said, like it's not just Fan Expo. I think a lot of the other conventions got to start looking at this. Yeah. It's and look at the buildings you're in when you're starting to do this stuff and for the like I know you can't maybe you can't do it for every single panel room because there's a lot of them especially at Fan Expo. But room 106 but, is your main panel yeah. room where is that the, the where that we saw That was the where Princess we saw Bride? Twisted Tunes. Oh, okay. That's where Nathan Fillion was. That's where the Star Trek Discovery panel was. Yeah. Uh you know, that was your main big panel room. So So um Ryan, any complaints? Anything you would change or do? Oh, I had no complaints this yeah. year. Um, no, I was actually pretty happy with the flow of traffic, uh, the the layout. You know, like Ed said, with mixing things up with having the five hundred first in the opening before the that dealer is, room, and that the is now south. being referred to as the community area. Yeah, and so, so having that set up was nice. You know, got them out of the north building. It freed um, up a lot of space in the north building yeah. too, and then made it a, you know, a reason to wander around in that area of the south building too so like you know you have people coming you know if you needed to jump out of the dealer room because there's just too many people or you're trying to get from one end to the other you still had something to see or get distracted by or you know take pictures of but uh no i didn't really have any uh, any complaints for my experience this year ed anything um 
I didn't have any complaints. I've read of some complaints online. A lot of them are petty and stupid. Oh, well, that's yeah. the big thing. I, I've read one guy was complaining that uh, he thought it wasn't right for the artist to be charging for signatures. He brought oh, a, that's a whole different. He brought a dozen. Wax. He brought a dozen books to be signed, and it was five dollars per signature. So he says that I had to readjust my budget, and I'm like, why do you need to bring twelve books for yeah. someone to sign? So, uh, so, you know, reading that, it was just, I just wanted to bang my head on the wall because yeah. that's where it just gets into pure greed versus, yeah. you know, like if you're going to get a book signed, I guess I, the way I look at it, if I'm going to get a book signed, I get one signed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know, like. But you're also not going to try and sell it on eBay yet. That's no. the that's the no. thing. Um, the other one I read was people complaining about the lines, especially for the celebrities. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. The, one of the lines. A guy was standing in it um, for a couple hours. The celebrity had to leave to go to a to a panel, or oh, sorry, so not to a panel, to a photo op. Mm-hmm. By the time they got back from the photo op, it didn't. He was com- the the person complaining online said I couldn't get to my next event because I'd already wasted now three yeah, hours. Yeah, well, I did, I did hear a slight legit complaint um, from the people who, who signed up for the Jim Lee experience. Because it went like two or three hours over what it was supposed to, oh. and the people who shell out money for that also tend to shell out money for the photo ops. So there was one guy in, in particular who missed like two photo ops because he was at the end of the line for the Jim Lee one. With photo ops he'd paid for. For that he had paid for, uh, supposedly. Now this is and well, and I can kind of understand that complaint a I, little bit, but like you I know, can understand, but then it's also you have to take that into account. Account. Mm-hmm. Like, Don't I would have, like, okay, if this runs over, I won't be, able, so I won't do this photo op. Uh, maybe do the other one, you know, the last one. Yeah. Uh, out of, but yeah, you're, you have to prioritize. You know, exactly. it's the same, same like when I did the photo op with Jeremy Renner uh, in April. I knew, like, the line was going to be insane. It's Jeremy Renner. I was expecting several hundreds of people to be there. I basically, planned it at the end of the day and left my whole schedule open because I figured this could run an hour or two hours overtime. Yep. So, well, know, even when it comes to panels, common sense too. I, I use their app to make a list of all the panels I was interested in and most of them overlap with everything else, but I prioritized. I want to do this, like these are my top three. These are the ones I want to get to. If I get to other ones, if they're handy, that's great. If if I'm not, I'm... I'm not no skin off my nose. Well, I'm still having a great day. That's exactly what I you know, when anybody asks me, Well, how was your time? You know, did you see this, just that? You know, my if you go into Fan Expo or any of these big conventions, go in with a plan. Yeah. Look at the schedule, look at who's there, decide what you want to get done. Mm-hmm. Prior make one or two things you want to get accomplished. Do those first if you can. Get here's, them done. Here's another thing. Don't have high expectations. Well no, exactly. Yeah. Especially when it comes down to the cosplay thing or the celebrity thing. If you have high expectations, my costume is going to look like this. This is going to happen. I'm going to do this. People are going to notice me. I'm going to become a star. Exactly. And that's where most of the disappointment comes from. That's why, especially in the cosplay world, you see so many cosplayers upset or break down and crying on the cosplay floor because they do invest time, money, and heart into a cosplay. Oh, for sure. And some take it a little bit too hard if it doesn't go over well. Just, and, you know, it's just natural. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, my cosplay of Ego on Sunday, I spent a month working on it. It was one of those, I thought it looked good. I like the way it looks. But I knew walking into the place, nobody's going to know who I am. Mm-hmm. And if there was lots of times where it was like, oh, you're a Jedi Knight. Where's your lightsaber? You know, you know the, what? I can kind of see that. I don't know. Like, I know who Ego is and how he looked in the movie, but yeah, yeah. if you didn't, yeah. yeah. Well, but, it was funny because I even made that comment back when we were building it. I was like, oh, you know, you changed this and changed that, and now you're in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> but it was one of those, I had my expectations where I'm doing this for me. I'm well, not yeah. doing it for anybody else. And the people who did like it, which the overwhelming support I got was from my friends, which that redeemed me because mm-hmm. my friends really liked it. They really got it and they were very supportive. So it worked And for you me. were unique. Well, I only saw one other ego the entire time and yours was on, like, honestly, yours was better than this other guy's. The other guy's wasn't bad. Um, we saw him crossing the street when we entered. Yeah. And he, but he was also like a bit of a younger kid by the looks of him, like maybe in his early twenties. And he had, he kind of had almost like super saiyan hair going. He had, yeah. he had it all kind of gel, kind of back in like a sparkly gray sort of hair gel spray thing. That'll be next time, Ed. Well, <laughs> I can see it now, Ed with sparkly hair gel. Even when it comes to things like t-shirts, I like I like things that are sort of under the radar. That if you know what it is. And you can say to me, "Oh my God, I can't believe you're wearing that." It was cool, and I said, "Like to him, the top, the the." Uh, oh yeah, there was a girl dressed as the top. The the, the DC the, like the, the DC, DC list villain. Like she's a he uh, flash villain, and I walk by, I'm like I think she's dressed as the top, and but I was saying to Brent, like if I cosplay, I've got an idea for something I might want to do. I think I kind of want to wear like a Babylon 5 uniform because that's a show that's been off the air for 20 years and people who love that show will know it and nobody else will bother me because they have no idea or they don't care. Yep. Well, the the funny thing is I was doing Logan, um, you know, the Hugh Jackman movie. Yeah, Old Man Logan. Old style. Man Logan. So it was just the black blazer and the white shirt, which a lot of times I look like just one of the security guards who work at the Metro Convention Center. <laughs> But then somebody would look and say, oh, shit, you got claws. You're <laughs> you're Logan, which it helps that my beard is really, really gray right now. So, you know, I've been told before, you look nothing like Logan. Well, now, guess what? Logan looks like me. Actually, so. <laughs> uh, I think it was it you I was talking to that, um, and I, I don't mean this as an insult, Ed, but old man Logan allowed older guys to cosplay this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> We could have done the three stages of that movie with you at the start because you had a fairly decent suit and you're not. And I saw another one on where Friday. He had this, yeah, the shirt was all torn off. He had like fake blood on him. He had bullet holes. And then I saw a third one where he's got the stick coming out of his. Oh, head. I didn't the see the stick the guy. I saw the the one guy. He had uh, stark white hair. But he did it up in the kind of the wings that, that Hugh Jackman yeah, does. The, the, yeah, and he had the mutton chops. So, you know, so. like somebody somebody should have gotten all four of you together and just like <laughs> well, could have flip booked it. This it was, year, it it seemed to be a recurring theme from all the big shows. I had worn a suit at every. I wore a suit at uh, Toronto Comic Con. I wore a suit at. Niagara Falls, and now I had a suit jacket. Well, at least it was a cool August weekend this week. Oh, as far as weather, it was absolutely perfect for cosplay. Yeah. Uh, the only time I actually over got too hot and started sweating was when I was Captain Boomerang. I had to ditch my stuff, which I ended up losing my boomerangs. Oh. They weren't designed oh. too well. You throw them, they don't come back. Oh. <laughs> 
What about you, Ryan? What was uh, or did we do stuff that we really liked? No, 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 no just like regrets. Just we didn't do likes. We did regrets. Yeah, I, we did I've overview got, and hate. Yeah, I, I've got no complaints. The the only semi complaint that I have, and it's nobody's fault other than particular writer and artist, um, was one of my panels. The I was supposed to have three people show up. I had one person show up. And weirdly, it turned out to be a great panel because of that. Yeah. I don't know what it would have been if the other people had shown up, but it's just like, I did all that prep work for nothing. <laughs> like, I had a book there with questions for everybody, some of which were tailored for a certain guy who didn't show up mm. and, you know, stuff like that. But that's how it goes, you know, you know some, some people, well, you, uh, the writer's panel with Jim Zub. Jim was supposed to be on my writer's panel at uh, Met uh, Toronto Comic Con in March. He got con crud early. Mm. And I'm like, when he sat down, and like, oh, you were supposed to do the, the writer's panel with me last time, but you got sick. And he's like, dude, I went home <laughs> Friday night. I did not end up coming back the rest of the weekend. I was done. I was vomiting. It was like, so oh, was he then good. patient zero for that event? It, it, we joked about it on the panel that because the uh, the other writers that I, I was doing the panel with, two of them sat on either side of him, and they had become nervous that, that <laughs> they were next. We've seen outbreak. You're you're McDreamy. <laughs> But uh, the other than that, um, I thought the show, like the traffic flow, is really good. And people, people gripe about Fan Expo because it's about all different things now. It's not just about their particular thing, and or they didn't get so and so for this. It's it, you got to realize that these conventions are at the end of the day, they're there to make money, mm -hmm. and like there are people who love comics who work there and love sci-fi and lo like make no mistake. There are a lot of people who really put their heart and soul in these conventions, but you have to balance that, for lack of a better term, you have to balance the art with the money. It's got you got to bring people in who are going to bring in customers. That's just how it goes. And they will try their best to balance that with people that haven't been there for a while or like the reason Norman Reedus gets brought to all these things is because he will bring in a shit ton of people yep. that will pay the f the ticket price to come in and see him, then pay pay the photo price, and with that money they will bring in you know a comic artist that you know I might get ecstatic about and some of my friends might, but nobody else might give a shit about because well yeah he's you're, an older you're, artist your or, top draws help pay for your. Lesser notes. Yeah. And it's, I thought this year the balance on the guests were really well done. Yeah. Like, I'm not a Rocky Horror Picture guy, but that the fact that they got that entire oh, I thought that was great. reunion was mm -hmm. great. Yeah. And like, and you, it, you can break off into other areas. I so, had friends who met like Tim Curry more for other shit that Tim Curry's done than Rocky Horror. And that was just kind of the bonus. So here's an interesting Tim Curry story. Um, cause Ash had, the meeting with him. Oh, okay. So, he, the the photo op or like yeah, the for, signing? Yeah, for the, for the photo op. So that was his birthday present. And uh, after he was done, he we met up and he was like, this is like one of the greatest moments of my life. I love it. So he had all his stuff. And I said, as I said before about using my truck as a base of operations, I said, you want to go throw stuff in the truck? And he said, yep. We go, we leave the convention center, go through the walkway over into the north parking garage 
get outside and look to our right, and there's Tim Curry sitting there on the sidewalk in his wheelchair. Now, if you haven't known, uh, Tim Curry had a stroke in 2012. Yeah. He's confined to a wheelchair. He's much better than he was, but there's still some issues. So there is Tim Curry sitting there in a wheelchair as uh, his assistant or aide hands him a cigarette and lights it up for him. It was one of the most sad, but also one of the most beautiful moments of Fan Expo for me. Mm. The fact that we have a Hollywood legend. I know probably everyone in this table has a Tim Curry moment, Tim Curry movie. Well, there's that joke that you can tell what kind of person they are. Yeah, and we've had the discussion before. Mm-hmm. Of Tim Curry's, they like. The fact that he's sitting out there having a cigarette with no security around him. Um, the sad part is people were walking past him. Now, were they walking past him that they didn't know who he was or were they ignoring him because it was just an old guy having a cigarette on the sidewalk? It might be, it might be, well, the, the Canadian thing of not wanting to bother him for one. So uh, I, I, I try and try to think of it more in the positive side and, or the slight thing of he, he's in a wheelchair now and a lot of people aren't aware of that, you know, yeah. and they just might not have thought like, you know, just saw the wheelchair and kept walking as opposed to the guy who was in the wheelchair. Yeah. They might still think he's, you know. Frankenfurter, you know, when he was the Home Alone 2 or something like that. Yeah. So, but again, that's a moment I'm going to remember forever mm. because, you know, we go to the truck, we come back and he's still sitting there. And it was like, my God, like there's Tim Curry sitting right there. Yeah. And it's just, it was an, it was a very surreal experience. Yeah. And I, it's weird. I got one sort of like that from an old fan expo where I met Darwin Cook. Because I first met him, he asked me for a light. And I pointed him like, no, but I think Darth Vader over there has one. Because it was, guy had made a hole in his Vader mask. But then now it's like, well, that's kind of a funny story. But Darwin died of cancer. You know, Mm. it's like, oh, it's not so funny now. But yeah, but that's cool. So we'll just do a a round of uh, favorite things that you did. Favorite moments from the, the convention. Try to stick to two or three. Okay, uh, the um, Twisted Tunes panel was, that was amazing. so much fun. And at some point in this this show, you have either heard it already or you're going to hear it. Um, I had heard about these kinds of panels before. I know there's a lot of them on YouTube, but I hadn't watched any of them. Uh, Maurice LaMarche is a genius when it comes to voices. Uh, and the rest of the panel was no uh, were no schlubs either. Nolan North and... Um, David Hayter, I was kind of surprised that because he only really does one voice for he's Solid Snake and Metal a good Gear. McConaughey, yeah, well, good McConaughey. Is uh, Sean Connery wasn't bad, yeah, uh, and uh, Jennifer Hale, so much fun. Um, I laughed more at that panel than I did the rest of the day, and that was mm-hmm. the very first thing we did uh, at the at the convention. Um, but I gotta say. The lifelong Star Trek fan that I am, being at a panel with seven cast members from Star Trek Discovery before the show's even aired was pretty exciting. And um, I just got a feeling from this cast that I I don't know if they're just really great actors or if they really, because they came across as genuinely loving that they're part of this and genuinely loving being with each other. Um, There are people in that cast, specifically Anthony Rapp, who have loved Star Trek forever. And uh, um, so it just it just creates more excitement for me. And it was also nice because 
Um, I've been reading the comments that people leave, and I've been watching these awful videos about why this show's going to fail and why it's terrible. But to be in a room, there had to have been 2,000 people. I don't know. How, how many people does that room I hold? I have no idea. Is it Bassett? Oh, that room it? Was is it full. Bassett's? 106. 106. Okay, because the big one holds 3,700. The room felt full, and we it was a room full of people who were there because they loved Star Trek, and it was a panel full of people who were loving being and in and making Star Trek. And um, it just gives me great hope for this show. I also find it interesting that here we are three less than three weeks out from the premiere and the cast still hasn't even seen an episode of the show. Yeah. So um, there, there's going to be a crazy viewing party somewhere uh, <laughs> with, the, with the cast. So, uh, yeah, the Star Trek Discovery panel was a highlight for me. Did they say if they were still filming? I believe they are still in production. Okay, because it's going to be a, a, a short run of episodes, I know. Uh, eight episodes before Christmas and seven after. Oh, okay, so a little bit big, of a bigger 15, order. 15, yeah. but... Uh, somebody did ask if there were going to be st- uh, a standalone, sort of standalone episodes that feature individual characters, and the answer we got is sort of... Sort of yes and no, um, because it is one story. It's sort of Star Trek meets Game of Thrones almost. Yeah. It's a it's a serialized story with a, a story arc, but each episode they've tried really hard to create a beginning, middle, and end for. Every episode will have like an A and a B and maybe a C plot, and so individual characters do get spotlights. There's a Lieutenant Saru episode, he said it's episode eight. There's a character who's a Starfleet cadet who ends up being the lead character's roommate, and she gets a, a, an episode. And then there are episodes that feature the Klingons, too. Cool. Brian? Uh, well, I, uh, you know, going in, I knew I wanted those things I wanted to do. I wanted to get my Spider-Man comic signed by Humberto Ramos. So, because he bailed on you last year. Well, he didn't bail. <laughs> well, he, he, did, had, he, he had issues. He had with issues his with visa, visa you know, coming into the country from another country and all that. So, I brought my comics, and he was one of the artists that is known to charge for a signature. Five bucks. Yeah, five bucks. So, I brought two comics with me. Uh, found his spot. Uh, he was running late. He ended up. He was running like uh, about forty-five minutes late to get there that morning. But uh, I had a great time chatting with the guys in line and his uh, his agent or you know the guy his handler. Sell- well, no, he was actually his agent. Like, oh, okay. He sells his uh, his comics and like, his pages and stuff like that. Oh, cool. Uh, so he was his handler as well. And he was joking. He's getting ready to send out the search party for him because he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm just on the escalator. I'll be there in two minutes," which turned into forty-five. Mm. Uh, but, uh, so that was great. Um, got that done. It was, uh, it was Force Friday. So there was, you know, the, the excitement of new Star Wars toys and uh, I wasn't yeah. going to go get in line, but then the line was non-existent. When we got there. Yeah. So we ended up, uh, looking at all the new Star Wars toys. The line and... was non-existent even on Thursday. There, well, there, there, were there was nothing there. Where it boosted up in spots, it but it wasn't as bad part, as last year. No, not. No. Well, not, no, last, last, year, the, last year wasn't, well, no, the Thursday the was Thursday. See, But then I did they both. didn't have anything, they, they didn't have Force Friday last year. There no. was nothing new no, on there. No, but last year, like, because I was four hours. 
Yeah. Yeah. In in around that area. Like I was two hours in line, two hours waiting for the line to I start. I wonder if it's because those San Diego exclusives, more and more the companies make them available on their websites after San Diego now. So you do get like there's more of a crack at them than there used to be, right? Yeah. Like the, maybe that's why there was less people standing like, or maybe there was just less interest in what they put out this year. Yeah. Yeah. And then, well, first thing in the morning when we walked by on Friday, there was a lineup at the Toys R Us booth. Yeah. But then, yeah, but when we went by at, at lunchtime, there was no line. So we went, got to check things out, bought one small thing, and then went back on Sunday and everything was 25% off. Yes. So then I spent more money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny when you're walking around Fan Expo and you just start dropping hints at, Oh yeah, everything's at twenty five percent off. And it's like, wait a minute, Star Lord helmet twenty five percent off? Yes. Poe Dameron helmet twenty five percent off? Yes. Everything's twenty five percent off? Yes. Yep. Did so, you buy the helmets? Uh, I don't really need a Poe Dameron helmet, and yeah. I had my hands on the Star Lord helmet, which I it wasn't was, it wasn't it wasn't what you thought it was going to be. It wasn't worth the money for me. I'll keep my rickety old Star Lord mm-hmm. helmet I made. I three think years it's ago. because like it is made out of plastic, which is to keep their price point. But I think it's because it's got that hollow out top, the to opening it, in the that top, it just that feels it just, flimsy because there's nothing really securing it. Feels cheap, looks too big, not as good as the Iron Man helmet. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, my one thing I wanted to do on Sunday was go to the Expanse panel because I which love you did. that show. I was hoping to get there early enough to be one of the first 75 people to get the free autographs, but even though I got there over an hour early, there were more than 75 people there ahead of me already yeah. sitting down, but I got decent seats. I sat around some great, you know, some nice people that I chatted with that we sh- talked about the expanse, we talked about uh, you know, other shows, other things other things we'd seen at the, at the con. It was it was great just being able to, you know, didn't know these people from Adam and just all of a sudden we're just all talking about stuff because we all had shared interests because we were all at Fan Expo. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's what it was just that those were my highlights. Cool. Ed? Okay, well I've got a few things that I I really enjoyed. Um, first off on Friday because uh, Zach, Zachary Levy was there which I believe that was one of your picks, was Chuck. Yep. Love that So, show. yeah, I'm a huge fan of Chuck. My daughter, she absolutely loved Tangled, so she was a... Oh, Flynn, yeah, I forgot he was... Flynn, 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 Flynn Ryder, Ryder yeah. was, was my daughter's boyfriend for many, many years. <laughs> so when I looked at the price, prices for the photo ops, it was $119 cash Ooh, day oh. of, and I thought, God, that's awful expensive. Um, but it happens to be that uh, my friend Loki Quinn Cosplay... Uh, you can find her on Instagram. She had um, she had bought the op the the photo op. So I it said ah oh, I'd love to, but it's you know one nineteen. She says well I paid the pre pre sale price. You want to get in on it? I said yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know she's a good friend, so I'm like yeah I'll I'll get in with you. I'll go photo op with you. Um, you know, day of, so Friday, it was like, you know, mind of Ash jumps in too. So it was like, yeah. So we're waiting in line and it was kind of a neat theme because uh, Tanith ended up dressing up as Nerd Herd. So she was doing the Olivia oh. Munn costume um, for when Olivia Munn was on Chuck 
in the nerd herd. Oh, I completely forget. Uh, she was that. wearing the, the the black skirt and the the white the white top. top the, and yeah, yeah, and yeah, she yeah. ended up getting the template to make up the nerd herd tag. Mm. Oh, uh, cool. Ash was dressed as Tony Stark and I was Logan. So we had a black and white theme going on that day <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> we planned on cosplaying together, but we ended up matching. Uh, so we get in there. And uh, as we're getting up to the line, Tana's daughter was all dressed as Rapunzel. So as soon as she got up there and Zachary Levy is like, oh, my God, you're you're Rapunzel. You look you look amazing. He's like, you know, come on, come on, get in here. So, um, you know, Ash got in beside Zachary Levy and I'm standing there. And then the photographers, no, 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 no. Because Zachary Levy is tall. Like, I did not expect him. He's taller than me. I'm 6'2". Really? Oh, wow. yeah. Oh, you thought he was a short dude. No, no he's thought, he's taller than me. So. so I wonder, they must have shot... I'm just thinking of Chuck. Didn't, isn't always the, the chick his girlfriend in the, the yeah, show? Yeah. yeah, Sarah Walker. Isn't she always shot like she's taller than him? She's She's around the same height as him. But I would almost say he's... Taller than Adam Baldwin, like. Well, see now the, yeah, another go, reason. Now to I gotta start, go back and yeah, watch. Just take a look at those photos. So, rewind. Go back to the, uh, Chuck's the pick. TV, or, TV magic. Pick, I guess. Yeah. But uh, so, anyways, they they wanted better framing, so I get in there beside Zachary Levy, and you know he puts his arm around me, and as I sent the picture to my wife, and she's like, "Man, he has an infectious smile," and I'm like, "Yeah, like." Dynamite smile. It's unlike any other photo op I've seen where I hate it when they wear sunglasses or a hat. He's yeah. he's there smiling, happy. It's one of the photo ops I love the most out of all the ones I've ever done uh, because everyone's happy. So yeah. it's one of those, I love this one. It's me with my friends and we all look happy. And, and the joke was, it looks like a family picture. It does. Yeah, it very does. much does. <laughs> so, so it, I, that was a great experience. The other one was um, Saturday. I was Thor. It's the first time I've had Thor at Fan Expo since 2013. Uh, 2013 was my very first foray into mm. cosplay. Back when you and I were both writing for Comic Book Daily, I kind of wrote an article leading up to interviewing cosplayers. Why do you cosplay? Yep. To lead up to Fan Expo, me cosplaying for the first time. It was supposed to be a one-shot, let's try this, see yeah. if I like it. Four years later and 20-something <laughs> costumes. Um, so I thought really it, how many you're up to it? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, 20 costumes with several variants on each costume. Yeah. So it was one of those things that's like, okay, the last time I did uh, Thor at a big Comic-Con, um, I keep Thor for events like the Barry Public Library Comic Con, the September 23rd. <laughs> Jen's was, happy. Jen's happy. Got a plug. You got your plug in. Um, or Santa Claus parades and that kind of stuff. I do it for appearances. I don't do it for cons. Last time I did it at a con was March Comic Con 2015 when uh, DL Cosplay uh, was Loki. So I thought this is the year to bring back Thor, especially with Ragnarok, um, because Thor my Thor costume gets the best response out of all my costumes. So we show up as Thor and Loki uh, with uh, King of the Freaks as Loki. And we're walking along and all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, there's the Shayun Saga booth. Ooh. It's a new steam-powered digital comic that is being voiced by Kristen Crack from oh, Smallville. Okay. So uh, we had mentioned her on a couple of weeks ago 
Yep. With the Smallville conversation. With the Smallville conversation. So I had, I went up to the one handler and I'm like, uh, what does it take to get into a photo op with her? And he's like, they had, it was a sign up sheet, 75 or something like that was all they were going to do. He says, yeah, we blew th- through them pretty quick. Uh, get in line. Hmm. Nice. So uh, myself, Ash, and Tanith stood in line, got up there. And Kristen Kraik, as soon as she looks up, she, oh my God, it's Thor. So there I am. It's Thor with Lana Lang. So uh, that was very cool. I'm a huge Smallville fan. I absolutely love Lana Lang. Um, same with uh, Laura Vandervoort when she was Supergirl. Uh, was it three years ago at Fan yep. Expo when I got to I, meet her? I able to finagle myself into an interview <laughs> with her and the cast of Bitten. So that was very cool. It was one of those, hey, yeah. Um, Absolutely love her, big fans. So, you know, I, right place, right time, I guess. Cool. Well, um, for me, it's uh, it's two things. Um, one is completely sort of work-related, well, as much as I can call the stuff I do at conventions work. And the other is just sort of like a happy moment I got to see. Um, the first was I got the whole, to do a sketch duel on uh, Thursday. And it was, I had uh, Jay Foskett, who does My Little Pony, and a comic called Bodie Troll. If you're listening to this episode, I'm pretty sure you're going to hear Jay in a couple minutes, because I did an interview with him, too. But there was Jay, um, Ty Templeton, who is a local uh, Toronto guy, uh, probably best known for Batman Adventures, I guess. But he's he said it in the panel, and he's pretty much right. There isn't a comic book, like a major comic book character he hasn't drawn at this point, like professionally. Like mm. he he's done so many for DC in variations, like the animated style and like and like who's who's and stuff like that. Same with Marvel and like he's even done some bits with Archie. He's drawn Spider Ham, so you know there's him. Uh, Sarah Richards who who. Uh, does uh, covers for My Little Pony. She's a, a very interesting artist. She's working on her own independent book right now. Um, very bubbly, sweet girl. Um, and Adam Gorham, who, uh, if you listen to the show, you know that I'm kind of buddies with Adam. I've bought art pages off of him. I'm a big fan of his work. He's one of those guys who, the minute I saw his stuff, I knew he was going to be doing something huge, and now he's working on Rocket Raccoon. And it was one of the most fun panels I've ever hosted because everybody was just there to have fun and play with it a little bit. The um, I tend to do for sketch duels. The first suggestion comes from a kid. The kid wanted Link <laughs> from Zelda. Uh, nobody had drawn Link professionally there at all. Perfect. Most of them hadn't drawn him even as a commission. So... Um, Sarah Richards and Adam both did like pretty legit links. Uh, Jay did a sausage link in an elf hat. <laughs> and I'm trying to remember what Ty did. I think Ty did a link too, but more in kind of a cartoony style. Um, but it was, they were good. Uh, they got Darkwing Duck was the, was one of them. And weirdly Adam's realistic style, just like, I saw it and I'm like, why isn't Dynamite paying this guy millions of dollars to draw the shadow? Because he did it with like the cape is kind of flapping in the wind. It was more of a 
more like how he draws animals on Rocket as opposed to like a cartoony animal. And I'm trying to remember what the... Oh, and the last one was uh, a mashup of Ninja Turtles as Avengers. And everybody just went all out on that one. Uh, Sarah's Darkwing Duck because she can't draw... She says she can't draw muscly guys or superhero stuff. Um, she drew a duck and then made like a very nice real duck with a black wing and put like an arrow up to it. <laughs> like dark equals wing <laughs> on the bottom of the sketch. Um, and the second one is like, I, I love hearing stories of people having fun at these conventions or moments being made with like your, your story about the, your photo op is a, as an example. I love hearing those stories and I got to watch one. Um, I was interviewing Jay Fosgett and this older guy and his son, came up and his son was in a rainbow dash costume yes and very quickly uh i didn't ask but it, i assume the son has some form of autism or has some m mental issues of some sort um he's a very nice kid and what like nothing but he, he's a little bit below he's on his the spectrum. age group he's on this on the spectrum somewhere and i'm sure that kid has some hard times Probably lined up in his future, too. And he loves Rainbow Dash, and his dad knew that Jay was an artist on My Little Pony and went over there and asked what the commission prices were. And Jay's, Jay's prices are very, very reasonable. So he got uh, Jay to do a two-character, I think it was 8.5 by 11, piece of the kid in his pony costume with Rainbow Dash. It, who's his favorite pony and basically the dad did it because he's like i don't know how long he's going to be into my little pony but if he's in it for like the rest of his life he has this really cool picture that i got him mm -hmm. that of his favorite character with him with his favorite character if not it, this will remind me of this trip and this time and i i'll keep it like i'm gonna get it framed he got a he also got his son uh, to do a picture with Jay. Uh, so he's going to have that like inset in the frame along with the sketch. And it was just like so awesome to see this dad like, you know, doesn't give a shit that his kids and his son is into My Little Pony. Just thought that like this is what my son is into. Well, he was is... cosplaying too. What was he dressed as? I don't. I think just as kind of a samurai. He he had a sword on him. Like I was don't... it a knight or because I thought he had like a more like a cape and. Well, he had more Didn't... like the samurai robes as opposed to oh, armor okay. kind of thing. I I never. I thought it was either way. Asking. I never really noticed. But I yeah, no, he dressed up just too. That, yeah, it was cool that because he joked about wanting to that he was going to dress up as a pony or something. Yeah, and his, and his son laughed at him and said, "No, you can't do that." But it, it was. <laughs> It was just like I got to see that, and yeah. I got to see like, and the kid showed me his sketch, uh, like the kid and dad showed me his sketch, and because I actually know a bit of pony about ponies because of Jen, I talked a little bit with them, and I'm like, well, here's my wife's office. And he went, that's all your wife's, and I'm like, yeah, but it's, it's an old picture. <laughs> There's, <laughs> There's <more>. way more. <laughs> But it, I, I like seeing stuff like that or like just seeing like somebody get happy when they meet an artist or a, a celebrity that they, you know, it's it's like a, a five minute, sometimes less than that experience. But it's sometimes it can make a memory thing. Just 
I had a moment like that that I totally dapped on until you just told your story. In my when I went to the Expanse panel, there was a young woman sitting beside me. who showed up later, just before it started. She was super excited. She like she she's like she she read the books. She loves the show and just you know really associated with like one of the main characters. And then, so as soon as they opened up the floor to questions, she was like her arm was the first one up, and then. Uh, I think it was Morgan from Space noticed her, and they called. So she got to you know be the first question, and so she stood up and she's like she was literally shaking. Yeah, she was so excited and you know, said her little piece. You know that like everybody does at these. You know when people start in how much they love the show and love the cast and what it all means to them, and then eventually they get to the question. But yeah, it was it was kind of cool just seeing her because she was you know she barely hold to catch her breath and she yeah. was. You know, stumbling over her words, you're so excited. The thing with me is that we're, as I get older, it's more the kid moments. Like uh, to segue into a little bit of another story, uh, Kevin and I got to see the first two episodes of uh, Star Wars Rebels. Jealous, yes, we did. So we we kind of we finished with the the Twisted Tunes panel. And Kevin just suggested, well, why don't we go over there? Because there was something weird with the scheduling that well, the schedule said they were showing the episodes and then first, doing the Q and A, the Q and A with Filoni and the cast members he brought. But what? it turned out that it was reversed. They did it the other way around. Nice. So we got in there. We had seats in the balcony where we could see fine. We weren't up close or anything. So Dave Filoni says, so we've got something special. So this was the supposed to be the Canadian premiere of the season premiere of the show. At Celebration, what they didn't know when we first showed it to everybody, because Star Wars Celebration got to see this first, was it was part one of a two-part episode. Well, you guys get to see part one and part two. <laughs> and at which point, there was, a, once again, it's a kid moment. There was a kid sitting beside me. I think he was about 11 years old. He was in the Disney uh, flight suit coat mm -hmm. uh, and had, like, cargo pants on and had made a helmet out of paper mache and a bike helmet or something. It looked pretty good for a live girl. <laughs> Probably better than anything I can put together. Right. And he just went nuts. Uh, he was <laughs> bouncing through the whole <laughs> episode. And it was great because he was cheering like when the Rebels blew something up. He was like, yeah! And when like, like he was happy as a pig and shit. In fact, I'm pretty sure he wet himself at some point. <laughs> he was so excited. But it was it was great to see it with that energy beside yeah. me, right? Because it was just like it, it was infectious, and I was started to cheer too. And and the episodes were really good. Um, not to give too much away, we st the the first two episodes are Mandalorian based, so we, we get to see a little bit more of Sabine's past and um, and the black saber. Yeah, and I'm not going to give away who, but a character from Clone Wars reappears in in this two-parter. So Mace Windu. No, not yet. Not uh, yet. Maybe it's coming. Probably not. And as someone who hasn't watched Rebels for the last two seasons, I found it thoroughly enjoyable and entertaining, <laughs> even though I wasn't quite sure what was going on because I haven't watched. It I haven't watched seasons. it since the middle of season one. So. Uh, but it's it's really good. I think, and it feels like Star Wars. And this season, I think, is going to be good. Um, well, it's the last season, so it better be good. Well, the interesting thing that he mentioned, I don't know if he said this, uh, Dave Filoni mentioned, was um, I guess they're working towards the end of it, animating the end of it currently, or getting towards that. 
what what did he say? There's only four animators in house working on on. I thought the, he said three producers. Three producers. Because I'm sure. Uh, do they do any of the animation overseas? I I think so, yeah. or at least chunk a good chunk of it. But most of the people he works with don't know how it ends. <laughs> the like, cast doesn't know, know how, it, how ends. it ends. So because he had to order sixty six, everybody. Oh, maybe it's. <laughs> The thing is, is there's two Jedi's on the show who are not in the movies, right? Those two, and their main characters on the show, those two guys have to be taken have off to the board. Yeah. Order sixty six, kill 60, them. Order sixty seven. Well, 66 no, you got to have sixty six. Sixty six has already occurred in the show, right? It's it's in between. That's why it's uh, sixty seven now. Rogue One hasn't happened yet. But it's but you can tell that it's after. heading towards Rogue One. Yeah. Well, apparently that that's just name dropping. He's done an interview since where we're not going to see uh, Krennic unless he's lying because he Filoni better be lying that. because Krennic is the best character in Rogue One. Well, they did say we do get Sakura though again. Well, they, yeah. they drop Krennic's name in oh, the yeah, trailer, but but he says but it's more of a name drop than, than an actual than character. He's the best character. They need to have Krennic more Krennic. <laughs> but Thrawn's so good. That's the thing, though, is Thrawn's so good on that show. Krennic's a similar character that I, I'm not sure if you need them both. But although Filoni argued that, um, so why isn't it Thrawn in the movies? We don't know. Maybe uh, he gets maybe he dies in the end too. Yeah, There's a good chance. Know. Maybe Krennic kills him. The, to be honest, I am not completely. I am not completely sure that other than Hera. And Chopper, that anybody from the cast gets out alive. What if it's just Obi Wan waking up in the desert, going, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> well, we've already seen him. Obi Wan episode. So. Yeah, Obi Wan took out Darth Maul last season on a date. Yep, they had a little campfire. I'm They're sorry, make they danced, and then he news. killed him again. I'm sorry for chopping you in half. Let me finish the job this time. With that, um, I guess we'll go uh, with just a, a quick round of geek picks, and then I'll start editing more stuff onto this episode. Okay, I want to go first because I just came up with one because it just it it connects with what we were just talking about. Okay, go ahead. Uh, there was a new. I love those short Star Wars Forces of Destiny cartoons that yeah. Disney is releasing, and a new one just dropped last night that featured Sabine and Leia. Uh, and it was just fun, and I like those. And, and IG88. IG88 is in it, too, yeah. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. So. Yeah, it's basically, it's a handoff of some... Um, oh, imperial it's a hard drive, right? Bases. Yeah, yes, it's, an imperial, it's, it's an imperial hard drive that uh, she hands off to um, Sabine, yes. <laughs> and, it, and IG88 is um, after it, too. So there's a whole con thing going on, like um, Leia's conning her stormtrooper handlers because she's still a member of the Galactic Senate, and uh, yeah. So I thought it was very cool, and I really like those um, Forces of Destiny cartoons. I think they're fun, and uh, I know it's a toy tie-in, but they're still cool. I like the Star Wars blips, the ones, the little droid ones. Yeah, oh, yeah. those ones are good. There's too. a Chewbacca one with BB-88 and the Porgs that just came out. That's pretty good. So that's my pick. Okay. Ryan? Uh, my pick, which uh, I thought I had already picked it, and I'm sure I did, but maybe those were the episodes that never got aired. If you go with Ghostbusters again, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going with Ghostbusters again. No, I am going, and it's my fan expo tie-in, with The Expanse. Uh, the TV series is great. Seasons 1 and 2 are out on Blu-ray. 
Uh, they're filming season three right now in Toronto. Oh, the good. cast, like from listening to them at the uh, panel, you know, they are very much like the characters in, in that they've become a close knit like family group. They really enjoy. I wonder if there's crosstown rivalry between the Expanse cast and the Star Trek. Did they go like to like the axe using... throwing at Christmas. And well, it sounds like they're all using like, baseball games in the same yeah. studio, like the same. They're like, all at Pinewood, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, it's like between the Expanse and and Star uh, Star Trek. It's pretty much used up all those studios. Uh, one of the guys sets. I work with was down there last week dropping off because we've printed some flags for the expanse before mm-hmm. and so he was dropping some stuff off down there he said he was talking to them and said you know yeah he's like, oh you know that star trek and i was like I said, oh you were down there last week eh? he said oh yeah i was like uh why, why am i just hearing about this now you've been telling <laughs> why me why don't for, i get to go on those you've been trips. telling me for like two years now oh yeah I'll, I'll talk to the guy i'll try to get you in i'll try to get you in. oh well you have to talk to your boss yeah if i had to talk to my boss about going for that trip and they didn't want me to i'd book half a day off just to go down there for you if it meant getting in there to see the the, the sets or getting them, I, you got, know. I called in sick to work so i got to see the pacific rim set exactly like i'll take a, <laughs> i'll use a i'll book a holiday i'll use a sick day for that Especially if you if you can get to know somebody who's on like the crew who'll take it because not only that you can go to like their lunch commissary area which isn't very big but when I went it was fucking awesome <laughs> free food <laughs> free food but, but yeah. like gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches and <laughs> um and I found out at the panel I didn't know this but the I guess it's a it's a writing team that writes the book under the name of James uh, S. A. Corey of James. Yes. oh so it's uh, but they're actually on the writing staff of the show. Oh, okay. that's good. So even though they're making changes from the books, well, you have to exactly. You have to because you know it's now a six-book series with uh, book seven coming out in December. Plus, there's a couple of short stories and novellas too, right? And apparently, a, an online-only graphic novel or at least a comic with some backstory of some of the other characters mm. that I didn't know about until they were talking about. Is it that like attached to the TV show or is that attached to the books or I you're not it sure? it may be a little bit of both, both because it's backstory on the characters. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, no, I've, I started reading the books uh, in the fall, maybe end of winter. I'm on, I'm almost done the fifth book now. It's just, I'm, you know, and I... I, know, I like to read, but I don't read this much. But these things just, they've, yeah, they've sunk their hooks in me. and So, yeah, The Expanse. Read it, watch it, love it. If you don't, I don't want to hear about it. There you go, mums and dads. TV leads to reading. Yep. Big books, too. Like, you could knock a child out with the size with this yeah. book. They don't release pocketbook versions of those. No. Ed? Um, okay, just before I get to my pick, I just have quick two shout-outs. Um, one goes over to a geek pick from the first episode I was on with you guys uh, for Nika Stone. Yep. Um, Edmonton-based cosplayer. She is currently in uh, Maxim's Finest International Contest. Um, okay. She's in the running for $25,000 if she gets enough votes. So, oh, cool. Oh, nice. Um, you know, she's a great cosplayer, and as she says on in the Maxim write-up, she'd use the money to help further her modeling career and her cosplay modeling career so um you know i'm just a huge fan and she's just a really nice person so thought i'd give that shout out uh the other one is thanks to comicore canada um their uh, organization uh based out of southern ontario that uh takes donations of of comics 
unread or comics that you don't read anymore. Okay. And they do hospital visits and they distribute the oh, comics. Oh, okay. So that's a, a, I saw them in the distance. Yep. I didn't actually get a chance to go to the booth. Yep. Uh, okay. They, no, that's really cool. So Saturday as Thor, I hung around the booth for a bit and I was back there on Sunday when I was ego. Uh, so the core of the organization, they, they have lots of different cosplayers and for volunteers, but you know, the, the core of the group is uh, Burlington Batman mm-hmm. and, Brampton Iron Man and Amazon Princess Wonder Woman. So they were really good. Um, let me hang out in the booth. And, um, you know, it was fun, you know, just being able to be there and kind of help promote the event for the kids. Uh, but my geek pick is uh, one of the cosplay celebrities that brought in, Alexandria the Red. Yep. Um, she is super interactive on social media. Um you know, there other other cosplay celebrities who were there, especially Jesse Negri, who was huge, and I think she did such a great job. I didn't hear a single complaint over her. Uh, did you see the video she made with <laughs> with all kinds of different clips of people around her uh, her booth? I think that's on. I, I want to say I on Saturday. I didn't catch it, but it's 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 just it's weird and funny and just full of people like like weird noises and. People doing funny faces and well, and like uh, you know, Carly Woods and Leanna Vamp and Jessica Negri, they they did their um, evil cheerleader bit. But anyways, back to Alexandria the Red. Uh, the last several months, I've followed her more on Instagram, and she is super interactive with the fans. Um, she even when I went to go meet her and talk to her, um, I expressed that to her. I said, "Hey, I love it. Like Instagram, you've." interacted with me on there you've like not just little stuff like actually you know conversation conversation yeah conversation oh hey no thanks and i told her i said that alone made me a bigger fan of you um she ended up taking one of the pictures off of my instagram of when i met her and she regrammed it oh nice so just that there i i was very happy i told her i was working on ego sunday i took I took the opportunity to stop at her booth real quick and she looked up and she said, you brought your ego today so I could see it. And I'm like, she remembered me from Thursday. So, um, yeah, I'm just a huge fan of her now. So that's my geek pick is Alexandria the Red. Uh, you can find her on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, she ain't hard to find. Yeah, she's also on <laughs> Patreon. So, oh, that's my pick for the week. So Nice. Um, uh, I, I have a geek pick, but it's not out yet, so I don't know if it works. Uh, one of the panels I got to do, or like I got to see, like I wasn't hosting it or anything, was uh, bringing him up again. Jay Fosgett, he has a radio play based on his comic book, uh, Dead Duck and Zombie Chick. It's a cartoon duck and his uh, zombie part woman, part chicken sidekick who... Part woman, part chicken. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I haven't read the comic. I've just seen the ra- radio play. And they they work for a company and collect the dead for this company. They they go through multiverses and stuff like that. And they also fight alien invasions. Nice. The uh, the radio play, which is going to they haven't announced where it's going to be released from yet. Probably a, a podcasting network of some sort. But it was hysterical. They did a live reading. Um, it was a couple of voice actors from around town. Allison Court, who. Um, Canadians mainly know as Lunette from the Big Comfy Couch. Mm-hmm. 
Um, she was also um, Jubilee in the 90s X-Men cartoon. Oh, okay. Yeah, amongst other things. She was Lydia in Beetlejuice. Yep. Um, yeah. She was the voice director for it, and she also does the, the villain in it. Um, it was... Just, there's this one part, like, there's a lot of, like, silly, cartoony kind of humor in it, too. And there was one part where Zombie Chick is not completely all there. She's a little bit insane. And she was complaining about how she, that Dead Duck wouldn't get her food when they were in Ireland. And Dead Duck responds with, well, you wanted tacos at four in the morning in Northern Ireland. And it's... She responds back with, I don't, something along the lines of, like, I don't know why you wouldn't let me have my potatoes. <laughs> and I lost it. <laughs> I don't know why I found it so funny. The idea of the potato was just fucking hilarious to me. And I'm just waiting to hear. They've done, they've recorded four or five episodes now, so they'll, they'll get a release soonish, I've been told. But it, it was really funny. Um, Set your phasers to sexy. You've been listening to the True North Nerds, recorded at the Utility Cupcake Research Kitchen. Reach the nerds on Twitter at True North Nerds, on Facebook under, surprise, True North Nerds. And you can reach them by email at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. If you like the opening theme song, it's called Set Your Phasers to Sexy by Kirby Crackle from the album Sounds Like You. Please go to kirbycracklemusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. So set your phasers to sexy.